Kumlein about Gemara, we've got good maid, and today's blot is Dab Chavav. We'll start from the Mishnah of Hayam Beis on the bottom of the page. <clears throat> We're talking about shechting animals, so we continue. A Bechoyer, in the olden days, a Bechoyer gave to the Koyin, and the Koyin couldn't do anything. He had to bring it up either the Korban Shlami, because it's Koyidish, unless it contracted a Mum. Uh, it had to be a permanent Mum, a Mum Kavua. And even if you have a mum, and even if you can sit so apparent that it's a mum, the law became that you still need a mumcha to come along and to be moderate. So that nobody, you know, should start saying, oh, it was a mum, it was a mum. And, you know, and, and this way it's at arm's length and we can trust it. So what happens is a b'choyr shenafal a b'choyr fell into a b'choyr. And we're going to see anything more later. We're talking about a case where there was a mum there prior to Yamtif. So it's not mukta. Remember, Yehuda believes in the laws of mukta very strongly. But it's, there, there's no mukta here because you knew about it before Yamtif. So you anticipated that this that, you know, this animal had a mum and you're going to use it. The only thing you didn't know was whether it was a temporary mum or whether it was a permanent blemish. And uh, therefore, you needed to bring in an expert to give a, to, to have a look at it. But you didn't do that before Yamtif. And and there was no rush because you were thinking that maybe you'll do it after Yom or whatever. But now the b'choy is not full of boy. The boy the b'choy fell into the pit. It's a question of tzav al You want to take it out of the pit, and you're scared it might die there. And the only way you can take it out of the pit is if you plan to shecht it. So Rabbi Yehuda says you can have yaded mumche. Let a mumche go down there, an expert in blemishes, to determine whether it's permanent or temporary. The yid, let him the judge, let him see. Im yesh boy mum. If there is a mum in there, then yala, um, then you could bring it up. Um, <clears throat> and we must be talking about a case where the mum happened prior to Yamtiv, so you anticipated you might use this animal. So it's not really, um, so it's not mukta at all. <clears throat> and uh, so therefore, if it says if it says it's a mum, it's, uh, technically you can rely on that. So then you can bring it up um, and shecht it. And uh, and if not, and we'll see more later what if not means. But if not, let's say, then if let's say there's no mum, say so you said it's not a permanent mum, it's a temporary mum, then you cannot check it. And it means also you cannot bring it up either, as we'll soon see. Rab Shimon doesn't believe so much in Mukta, but Rab Shimon says, he, he argues, and one thing he is, Mahmoud, he holds that you cannot have an expert come in and determine a mum on Yamtif. Because he says that the, it's like a it's like a pasking halacha, and we don't paskin on yamtiv. Plus, it's like you're fixing something up. Abshimon says kosher ain't movement but you know, if you haven't determined prior to yamtiv, no, but if the animal had a move before yamtiv blemish, and you determined that it's already a permanent blemish, it falls, and of course you can take it out. But if you haven't determined before yamtiv that it's a permanent blemish, then ain't zem and It wasn't yet then prepared, and on yamtiv the rov is going to come along, and he's going to the expert come along and is going to paskin. So it looks like he's fixing because he couldn't eat this animal until the Rav came along. So it looks like he fixed it up on Yamtiv, and that we can have. Plus, it looks like it's some kind of a pas- a plaque that he made, and we, we don't want um, a Bezdin to paskin on Yamtiv on Shabbos. So, so, what exactly? ask, sure. so, so you're saying that the Bechoyer is brought up like a Shlomim, but they're slightly different. No, no, we're talking now in today's time, we're talking in today's time where there's no Shlomim anymore. So today, the coin takes the Bechoyer, but he has to wait until the Bechoyer has a mum before he can shecht it for himself. Yeah, but the Shlomim's different from a Bechoyer, because when they sprinkle the blood, one of them is in on the two corners, and the yes. other is just at the foundation. Right. When I said a Shlomim, I meant like a Shlomim, that, you, that the coin brings it up and he eats it. But it's a carbon, yeah. not that he can just go shecht in his backyard. I didn't mean, right. you're right, it's not technically it's not a Shlomim. I meant in, in that regard. Okay, Good. thanks. 
says the Gemara, "B'may kamifuki." So, what exactly is the crux of the argument? Ineme, are you arguing the general question? B'royim mumi kamifuki. If you allow to see mumu, she all right. But is that the purpose of our mission? Tell us that they're arguing that. Rabbi Yehuda, Savar Roi Mumiyot, you can have a Munche come in and to determine whether it's a blemish or not. Rabbi Shimon, Savar Shimon holds any Roi Mumiyot, you do not determine blemish on the Yom Then why talk about a, a, a very limited case where the Bechoyev fell into a pit? Lift the Gubbe Roi and Mumiyot Alma. Just have an argument generally. Can you see Mumiyot or not? So what's the Chiddush here? Why talk about this limited case of a Bechoyev falling into a boy? Says the Gemara, there's a reason why we talked about this case because there's a Chiddush involved here as well. In the case where I would have thought that here we have additional reasons why we should be lenient because the animal is there stuck in the pit and the animal is in pain. And we know that according to many is so maybe maybe we can make a trick and say, oh, I think there's definitely a mum over here, bring it up, and then when you get to the top, say, oh, I didn't realize it was only a temporary mum. And why would you think that you can even make such a trick? Because like Rabbi Shua, Rabbi Shua says, we're gonna learn later on, what happens if a mother and his baby calf fall into a boy? And, and, you, and you're going to shech. You don't, you don't need more than one animal. And, you, and the thing is, you cannot shech both animals, or even you want to shech both animals, but you can't. You can't shech the mother and the calf. And it's called the of his You cannot shech them the same day. So you make a trick. You take one of them up and then you say, oh, I think I want to shech this one. And then you get to the top and say, no, maybe the other one is better. And you go back down, you bring the other one up. So you can make that trick. So we would have thought maybe you can make the same trick here by a boy that everybody will say that you can do that. Kamash um, Malan comes to teach you that you cannot make the trick. You cannot bring the animal up from the bar before you determine once and definitely whether it's a, blemish, a permanent blemish or you can shecht it or not. Says the Gemara, if that's the, the, basically the thrust of our Mishnah, to tell us that you cannot make a trick and bring it up. So the whole question here is not so much about the shechting, it's about the bringing up from the bird. So why does the Mishnah say, Rabbi Huda says, and if not, if it's not a permanent blemish, don't shecht. It should have said, don't bring it up. Because that's what you're trying to talk about. You're trying to tell us, you know, don't make any tricks and try to bring it up from the bush. So you should say, you should express, and do not bring it up. You should have emphasized, don't bring it out of the bush. In, in this case. says, I'll tell you what we're talking about here, maybe a different way. We're talking about the Obav Askei. That they're talking about a case where you actually went ahead and you, you, you didn't listen or you didn't ask any questions. You took the animal out of the body and brought it up. So it's no longer a question of imlab. Don't bring it up. You ready to bring it up and you shouldn't. You shouldn't. So I've never thought, well, now that you brought it up, maybe. Um, so this is like the second Kiddush. That if you brought it up and let's say the, the, the mumche looks and there's no mum, so you would have thought, well, now that it's up here, ready, I, I can check it. Kamashalam. That what comes to you, you can't. You can't shecht it. So they give more. Um, so I'm sorry, because now that you brought it up and the Rav says that there's no permanent moment, so obviously you cannot shecht it. So that's why he doesn't say bring it up, don't bring it up a shecht. We're talking about where you brought it up already. So they give more, if so. Um, why would you even think <clears throat> that you can shecht it if, if it's, it has no blemish? <clears throat> it's, a, it's an animal without a blemish. Of course, then, what are we talking about in the first place? If there's no blemish. <clears throat> Says the Gemara, um, in other words, we, so what do you, what's the, you tell me? The Mish is trying to tell us that if you brought it up without asking any questions and you don't find a mum, 
And the Mishnah wouldn't have told you that. What would you have thought? That you can shecht if it has no mum? It's a prayer. Of course you cannot shecht if it has no mum. What's the Chiddush here? So Yimura says, You know, we're talking about the Nafobay mum. Talking about that there was a mum before Yamtif. Now the Gemara comes to the, what we conclusion what we said before. There was a moon there before Yom already. And the question is, is it a permanent moon or is it not a permanent moon? So if there's a permanent moon, you can bring it up and shecht. But if, let's say, there was no moon before, Imlav means if there was no moon before Yom then, and the moon came up today, and then even if you brought it up, and the moon is there right now, let's say there was a, you can look on Yom Tov, a permanent moon, but that moon wasn't there for out of Yom Tov. The moon appeared on Yom Tov itself. And it's already sitting here on top of the ground. Still, you cannot shecht it. Says the Gemara, of course you cannot shecht it. It's muktzah. Remember, Yudah holds a muktzah. Before Yom Tov, it had no blemish, so the coin had no intention of using it for Yom Tov. He can't, if it brings the base of English. So now that there's a mum there on Yom Tov, why would you think you're allowed to shecht it? Isn't it muktzah? Says the Gemara, um, and Abihu is the one who believes in Mukta everywhere. So the more answer is this is what happened. The Nafu Bay Mumma even met of Yamtif. What happened was the second part of the mission of the Kiddush is there was a temporary movement before Yamtif. So there was already, you already thought about it that you know, and you weren't sure you have a temporary movement. There was already a Mumda before Yamtif, and you thought you know you're gonna see, maybe you're gonna use it on Yamtif. So it's not really Mukta. And <clears throat> And now it turned into a full mum, into a permanent mum. Mao, I would have thought, look, yesterday the title, yesterday you thought about it, that maybe you can use it on Yom Tov. So therefore, Muktzah it isn't. And, and uh, okay, today the new, the, the permanent mum appeared today, but maybe now I can use it. Maybe I should go ahead and shecht it. Kamash Malan, that you cannot shecht it. Why? Because you should not have taken it out of the bar because it fell into the bar and you had no right to take it out of the bar. So therefore he says the, 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 the guy, the, the mumcha should have gone down there to check it out and he would have seen that it's a temporary mum. If there's only a temporary mum there, he would not have let you take out of the bar. So, and you, you proceed to fight that rule, he took it out and therefore you cannot use it. Or because there's another kind of mumcha. Okay, you thought that you're going to use it, but the truth of the matter is it was a mum either. It was a temporary mum. And because of the temporary moon, the halacha would have been that you couldn't shech the animal. So with twilight, a Friday night, even though in your mind you wanted to use it, but nevertheless, the halacha pushed it out of your mind because it's muktze machmas iser. There would have been an iser then to shech the animal because, not Friday, but yontah by night, would have been um, twilight, would have been an iser to shech the animal because there's only a temporary mum there, and it's a bachayr. So that is, so therefore the following day, a new mum appeared, a permanent mum, it doesn't help. And that's why you cannot check it. And that's the mission's thing. And are they avoiding, they're saying in this situation, Sarbala Chaim is not an issue? Even though it's an issue, but the issue does not prevent you from being over, you know, be doing fulfilling the mitzvah Sarbala Chaim. Because you'll have to, because uh, it's muktzah. Mm. Oh, Sarbala Chaim holds back muktzah. I'll tell you better, when, when, um, in, in Pesach, if on Yom Tif, you have, you know, chametz in your house, the, the chametz is muktza, you can't move the chametz away, so you're being over and over every second about your by a matzah. And yet, according to many opinions, you cannot move the muktza away, even though you'll be over in Isa the Raisa. By your by a matzah, you can't do anything with it. Did you cover it? Depends if you can or you can't. It's in the case where you can't. It's, it's, it's in Simitov, you can see there's two opinions there in Halacha. How strong Mukta is. 
And even though as a result, because, um, you know, as we're telling you, Shabbat Taisis, it's much easier for us to tell you to sit and be passive rather than, pro uh, and even though you're going to be committing a stricter sin than proactively committing a lesser sin. Right. Uh -huh. Thank you. Okay. Let's say you have a that is unblemished that fell into a boy. Is Rabbi Huda Nasi Rabbi Huda says Yedin Mumche. Rabbi Huda Nasi says let a Mumche go down the Yid and see. Im Yesh Boy Mum. If he finds there a blemish, is Yale the Yishchay? You can take it up. We're talking about a Mum that was there from before Yamtiv. So there's no Mukte. You can go bring it up and shecht it. The Imlav the Mum was in there yesterday, but the Mum. Was there came appeared on Yom Tov itself, so the animal was muktzik. Because last night you couldn't have taken the animal out. You cannot check it. And even if you pulled the the, the shayr out of the out of the pit, which you shouldn't have, and now you have a blemished shayr over here, nevertheless you cannot check it. Um, said, had Rabbi didn't do Mishim Yichai in our Mishnah say that Ein Royin Mumim Ben Yamtiv. Rabbi, your Rabbi learned was a student of Shimon Yichai, so he's saying to him that Shimon Asa said to him um, that you, you're saying here that if there was a Mum there from yesterday, you can have the Mum to come and determine you know the, the status of that Mum. How can you say that? Your own teacher of Shimon Yichai told us he believes that you're not allowed to inspect Mumin on Yamtiv period. Because it's like you're fixing something up, because you couldn't eat it until he gives his head there. It was like a, a paskening. So Kate noiled by Mumer of Yamtiv. If a mum, let's say, um, a blemish came about, and of Yamtiv, so Shimonasi explained Shimon Yochai. Let's say you had a mum for Yamtiv, and you don't know whether it's, it's permanent or not permanent, or you, even if you know you know it's permanent, you still need a mum to come and ascertain it. Um, is beyamte is a mevakin? I say beyamte. You do not bring an expert in to go and check it. That is din number one. Sounds like the chachila. You don't bring an expert in to check it. But if he did, but the evid, then it's all right because he's not really fixing anything up. The mum already was there prior to yamte, and all you need is a chacha to come and to tell you that the mum is there, which we already knew anyway. We're talking about the case, not that it's questionable. A, 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 a mum that's clear. The ear is, is fell off, or the leg is missing. The mum is uh, wait, that's not trace. The mum is um, is uh, what do you call it? The mum is definitely there. So when the rub comes in on yamtiv to paskin, he's not really creating something new. Something we already knew. He's just manifesting it. So chachili should do the evidence. All right, that's din number one. What about noel by mum yamtiv? What about the mum actually appeared on yamtiv proper? Then Rav Shimon says So knows prior to yamtiv. It wasn't ready. So now you want to fix something up. The, the mumcha coming here is a lot more than just revealing a fact. It's creating a new situation. Because prior to Yom Tov, at twilight, this animal was unblemished and was for, forbidden. So now on Yom Tov, a mum appeared, and this chacham is going to be matzerit. The chacham is creating a new concept. That is forbidden even by the Evid. But Vishavin, Rabbi Yehuda and Al-Mishnah, and Rabbi Shem both agree. And this is case number three. She'im noilud hu umimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimim
that it was unblemished and now you're coming to fix it up. There was never a time that this animal was really was a carbon, suitable for a carbon, because it always had the blemish from birth. So therefore, it's all right. So is prepared. So that's what, that, so it sounded like three din. So how do we understand this three din? So Rabbi said, the very first case I just told you is on the if, if the moon was there before, you don't get an expert, but if the expert comes, it's all right. That's the evidence, all right. The second case is if the moon appeared on Yamtiv proper, then not only don't get a moon. And the third case is it was born with a, with a blemish. So Rabbi Rabbi is going to say, if it's born with a blemish, you can bring a, an expert. Because if you're going to tell me it's only B'dayevet, then why break it up into three cases? He should have taken the third case, born with the congenital mum, and 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 and, 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 and what do you call it? And, and bunched up together with the first case, because both of these cases are only the fact that it separated and made it a third case means that even the you can bring in an expert. So neither who mumi ima mevakir ben chatzil chatzil you can bring an expert. Under Nachum and Abba, Tanachum said your father, which Rabba's father is Rabbi Tony, he said that im avar ubikre mevuker. Your father understood that it's only b'diavet that if it was born with a defect, and you brought an expert in, it's all right. But at ambit mevakir chatzil, you going ahead and saying chatzil, you can go bring an expert. So there's, a, there's an argument here between Rabba and his father Ravuna, but Abayi says Kavos say the Rabba Ravuna must It makes more sense the son than the father. Why? The fact that the Brisa learns in three separate cases sounds like that three separate outcomes here. Case number one: There's a mum prior to yomtiv. I don't want an expert coming to but that's only the who the law? How do you have a chapter to be able to write? Why? Because he's not really creating anything new. It was already known. It was just making, you know, making it official. So that's be able to write. That's case number one. Case number two, by the moon appeared on Yamtiv. So prior to Yamtiv was totally forbidden. And now a moon appeared in the Rav Paskin, that is Mutter. He's creating something new that even the evidence is forbidden. You're not come in. Even the evidence can't do that. And then case number three, then he tells us, they all agree. If, for example, that it was born, who, if the baby calf was born, let's say, together with a moon, that means it was, it was always prepared because while it was inside the mother's womb, it was all right, and now it again has a mum. It must be that even the he can, because this is a case number three. Otherwise, it would have learned it together with case number one. Says the Gemara, that's based on this Braise here. But there's another Braise which tells us differently. He brought with him a Braise, and there it says differently. That Braise says, whether the moon appeared before Yom Tov, and now you're just getting a rov to come in and to make it official, or whether a moon was, was, came on Yom Tov proper. say that neither one is prepared, you cannot have them. In other words, even case number one is talking about not only the chathil, if a moon was there before Yom Tov, the chathil, don't bring an expert, but the evidence all right. Even with the evidence not all right. So case number one and case number two are exactly the same, that even with the evidence not all right. So case number three, when it was born with a congenital moon, means that the that, that, um, that evidence is all right. But not the There's no three cases, only two cases here. Not Loyabai understood the Bryce of Shimon Manasseh. Could we have another Bryce that says clearly there's only two cases? A blemish appeared before Yamtiv or appeared on Yamtiv. You shouldn't have a rub coming, but the evidence all right. Case number two is it was born with a mum, and there the chatchili you shouldn't have, but the evidence all right. Like Rav Huna, not like his son Rav. No, very much. Well, the first bracha Rabbi is correct the way he learned it. 
says the Gemara, Ahi Ada Bar That was studied by a, a, a man called Ada Bar and everyone knows the Meshabesh Betani. He never had a clear memory, and he always used to mix up a word here, a word there, and sometimes he could completely change the pshat of the entire Brisa. Interesting, Uchmi means dark, and his name was Ada Baruchmi, the person who makes things dark, nebulous, and um, therefore we cannot rely on his Brisa. Rabbi Isha, on the other hand, we know that the, all, all the Brisa, the scepters are from Rabbi Isha. He was very reliable. In fact, Rabbi said, forget about. Let's say, let's say Abaye wasn't aware of Rabbi Isha's brisa. Still, he should have known from our Mishnah that Rabbi Huna was right, not Rabbi. And how is that? So the Gemara says, the Torah of Shimon says, "Kol she mumenikim meru yamtiv." What does Shimon say? Mum was not evident before yamtiv. Ain zeh melamucha. So he says the mum it wasn't there before yamtiv. Zeh melamucha. My ain mumenikim. What do you mean it wasn't noticed? There's no moon there all before Yamtiv, but only pity on the Isn't that obvious that you can't do a quantum? Isn't that obvious that you cannot look at it? You have to tell me. There was no moon there yesterday. Now there's a moon. It was like Mukta completely removed from your mind. And even according to the Shimon, it's like something that's like dry grapes that you completely remove from your mind. But much, much, what it must mean is there was a moon there, but he just didn't happen to show it yet to Eirab. He knew the moon was there. But he didn't show it to the Rav every Yomtev. And yet he says here, on Yomtev, Eina Milamuchen. That means even with the Ebed, you cannot call in our expert. Imum Kavua, Imum Oiver. Tony means says, Eina Milamuchen. Shema it's clear. From our Mishnah itself, you can already prove that Rav Shimon holds that even if the moon was there prior to Yomtev, and even though you knew it, that was there. Nevertheless, when Rav comes in on Yomtev and makes a determination, that's Eina Milamuchen. You cannot use that at all, even with the Ebed. Okay, We know that Mukta starts if something was removed from your mind during that period, um, the Friday, let's say Friday night, then the rest of Shabbos, doesn't matter what happens, it's completely gone. Fruit fell off the tree on Shabbos. Since the beginning of Shabbos, it was attached to the tree. It was Muktzah. The rest of Shabbos is Muktzah. We could ask a question where in the beginning of Shabbos, it wasn't Muktzah, but it became Muktzah during Shabbos. Is there a concept of Muktzah for half a Shabbos or not? Says the Gemara, hey, dummy, what exactly is the case? Let's say, for example, was asking if it was suitable during twilight, then Achzi. Then what's the problem? There's no Muktzah. And either Loy Achzi, if it wasn't suitable in Hashmoshes, then Loy Achzi. Then it's not suitable. So what happened here? What's the question? It, it doesn't all hinge on what happens during Ben Hashmoshes. This is the case. The Achzi, it was suitable Ben Hashmoshes. And then something happened. For example, you had these things that you were drying and they were suitable, you're going to eat them. And then suddenly Friday night, after an hour later, it suddenly rained, it's sitting on your roof, it suddenly it rained. And now suddenly they swelled, it's no longer the dry dates of figs and they swelled. And then in the morning, the sun came out and it dried again. So there was a period on Shabbos, but not during twilight, that was like mukta removed from your mind because you wouldn't eat it when it's all swollen and wet and everything else. And then again on Shabbos, it removed itself. So what happens to the rest of Shabbos? And our question is, do we say that since for two, three, four hours in the middle of Shabbos was Muktza, it's forbidden the rest of Shabbos, even the Muktza is gone? Or no, we say, look, the only thing that, that, that only law of Muktza that applies in Thai Shabbos is Bein HaShemoshes. But after that, as long as it's a movie in mind, you won't, it's removed. But once it's not, you can use it. So the Gemara, Mark, what's it in? Amalei says, the first version is, he said, yes, Muktza. He says, there is Muktza. So Robert's answer was, there is Muktza for half a Shabbos. 
Ace, I'll ask you a question. Bishavin will agree. She noyled umumiim. If a cow was born with a mumith, you can go ahead and get a nyamta. If you can get ahead, you can go ahead and get a, a rav to pasca that is permitted. It's all right. Now the question is, as soon as the while the, the animals in the mother's womb, you could have you know shechted the mother, you could have eaten the baby cow. Then it was born and had a moment. Kozman, the rav didn't come along. Um, the rav didn't come along. This animal was forbidden. Then an hour later, the rav came along and said permitted. During that hour that it was forbidden, it became muktza, and because you can't do anything with it. And then the rav came along and permitted. You allowed it. Doesn't that prove there is no muktza chatzis shabbos? Once you eliminated the muktza, it goes back to normal, reverts to normal. But my why? Name of why don't we say hi b'choyer? This b'choyer miikora havi chaze agad ime. Why was the mother's womb is all right? Isiyale as soon as born atchile, you can no longer eat it because right now there's a b'choyer there, and you're not allowed to eat a b'choyer unless you have a permanent blemish uh, formalized by a rav. And then the Chacham came in and, and abused it, and he, he permitted it. So, and you're saying you're allowed to eat it. Doesn't that show there is no muksa for happy Shabbos? Omar Abai, Abai, he said, others there's no proof for me. You know why? Could be, no question. We're talking about a case, they would never, it never was muksa. How's it possible? The Yosve Dayone Hassan. When the animal was giving birth, there was a, a Dayan sitting there, or three Dayanim sitting there. And therefore, they saw, as it emerged from the mother's womb, they saw the permanent blemish. They right away said, this is permitted, this animal. So it never was muktzev, never was asr. Okay, so that's the case over here. So, but, but in a case where it was muktzev for two or three hours, maybe it is muktzev the rest of Shabbos, even when it's gone. So that's the first version. Ikidami is another version, just the opposite. Amalei, a muktzev lechati Shabbos. No, the only thing that can make it muktzev from the Thai Shabbos, even when the muktzev is gone, is if benash mashas. But after that, it's only muktzev duration of the muktzev, and after that, it's permitted. Lema Messiah being approved, the shoving, everyone agrees. The baby cow was born with a moon. You're allowed to eat it. Look, and he asks the same question. So this is like a proof. First mother's was born, it was rejected. You then show it to the chacham, each day becomes permitted. So we see that what? The muktzah for part of Shabbos does not render it muktzah for the rest of Shabbos. This supports a robber's second version that there is no muktzah for half a Shabbos. No, no proof. Maybe the young was saying that it never was mukta. From the outset, they said that the animal was kosher. So Tashma coming here, let's bring a proof. If somebody was eating grapes, a person was eating grapes. If the person is eating grapes in Shabbos, obviously you don't have to prepare yourself for it because you're eating it. But what happened was Bahaisi had some left over, and you brought it up to your roof, Lassim and smoking. So the leftover grapes he put on the roof to dry up and to turn into raisins. And uh him and he had figs, Bahaisi had left over, the Lagag, you brought them to the roof, Lassim and Gregors to make these dried figs. That's what Gregors are dried figs. You still cannot. Um, now, Lechayda, you were thinking about these grapes. You've been eating it all the time. And then the leftover you put in the roof. Isn't that clearly that you want it? Nevertheless, it says over here, that you cannot eat on Shabbos. Unless you had in mind, clearly you're going to eat these raisins or, or dried figs on Shabbos. Prior to Shabbos. Same thing about peaches if you put up there to dry. Or by quince. In fact, any other fruit. That um, they put it up there. So while it's it's mukta, while it's drying, you cannot eat it. So it's mukta, and you have to prepare before Shabbos. Saying when it's dry, I'm going to eat it on Shabbos. What are we talking about? If already was dried before Shabbos came in, and 
And why do you, since you know that it's been dried, so obviously you thought you're about eating it. What do you have to set aside, especially that you can eat it? The only reason why you put it in the roof is to dry. Once it's dry, before Shabbos, so obviously you can eat it. So why do you have to have Azmana, you know, designating it? Either Leichaz, if let's say Shabbos is an outside of Shabbos, an onset of Shabbos, it wasn't dry yet. In other words, it's not suitable to be eaten at all. Is Azmana have even if you say, look, I want to eat it. How does that help? The fact is that it's right now, it's not food. You only eat it when it's in its raw state or you eat it when it's dry. In between, it's not edible. Nobody eats it that way. So Hazmana doesn't help if it's not really food. It's like you say, I'm going to, um, I'm setting aside these stones to eat. Stones are not food. You can set aside stones for other purposes, but not to eat because it's not food. So this is also not food. <clears throat> if you can tell me. We're talking about that. You know why you're not I'm talking about a case here. He was too lazy or he had no time to go on the roof and check the, the grapes, whether they dried into raisins or not. So therefore, <clears throat> so he says, well, you know what? I'm going to make a hasmana. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go up there. And if it's dry, I'm going to eat it. And and the, and the chiddush is that you have to actually be masmanit. You cannot just, you know, you have to say, I am going to go tomorrow. Before Shabbos, you have to think about it. That maybe there's a possibility it'll be dry tomorrow, and I am going to eat it. Because um, if not, we'll say, look, you didn't know Friday night whether it's dry. It's as if you're to to remove from your mind. So you want how can I be? But I'm kind of kind of said mukta, let's say um, dried figs or raisins, shiyavesh, the dried Friday afternoon. The ain't habila makidim by even though the the owner didn't go up to the roof to check it out, they, they have no idea whether it dried or not. Nevertheless, tomorrow on Shabbos, you went up there, you saw that it was dry, much is permitted. Why? Because the only reason why you put in the roof there is in order to dry. So and 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 since it dried before Shabbos, you could tell it dried before Shabbos. Therefore, it's as if you thought about it. You don't have to um, end of Shabbos specifically think about these races or things. Elalav isn't talking about the chazu. This is so. What's the case here? What's the chiddush? Why do you need hazmana? Why would you need hazmana if it dried before Shabbos or Yom Tov? You don't have to think about it because by putting it up there in order to dry, as if you thought about it. So therefore, when do we need hazmana? So it must be talking about the chazu. What happened was that Friday night it was suitable. Everything is good. But Adchu, and then suddenly it rained um, and it ruined it. It's no longer dry. But Hodder also became suitable. And therefore, you would not, since there is, maybe, could there, maybe they hold there is Muksa for half a Shabbos. Since part of Shabbos was not only edible, you cannot eat it as a Shabbos unless prior to Shabbos you specifically made Hasmani. You say, you know what? I want to eat this tomorrow. And that helps that in case there was a period of Shabbos that was not suitable for food. The Hasmana overrides that. So clearly we see from here that there is muksa for half a Shabbos. That's the most question. Otherwise, what's the point of the Hasmana? What do you need Hasmana for? By placing it on the roof to dry, that is the greatest Hasmana. You, and you don't have to think about it before for, on Friday afternoon. The Imam, if you can, however, disagree with me, you hold a muksa, lam lasmana, when you have Hasmana for... Um, so you want to back to them. Okay, Lamai, so what do you want to argue? Yes, muksa. You want to say there's muksa for half a Shabbos, and therefore you, you, you have to have Hasmana. But the question is, what does the Hasmana help? Ki so what? So what if you if, if you made if you made hasmana, since it became muktzah in the middle of Shabbos, and you're telling me that if a muktzah part of Shabbos becomes muktzah the rest of Shabbos, hasmana before Shabbos was when it wasn't muktzah. The hasmana before Shabbos was it was dry already, it was raisins. But now that it became muktzah, the hasmana is cancelled. So what's the hasmana help? So you can't prove here either way. So you more explains. So why taka do you need hasmana? Don't mind a case where it was partially dry. Some people eat it in this condition, some people don't. 
the Ike Inchi, the Achli, the people who eat it, so for them it's not Muktza. The Ike Inchi, the people don't eat it, for them it is Muktza. So therefore, Azmin, if he set it aside, if he made Hasmana, then what is he telling us? He's telling us that he's from those people that do eat it, saying, say, you know what, I'm going to eat it. By saying that, he's saying, I'm from the people who eat it, so it never was Muktza. Asmin Golidaita. So we're, we're not worried about what happens during Shabbos. It didn't rain during Shabbos. We're worried about Benash Mashas. Is this Muktz or not? We don't know this person. Does he eat this kind of stuff or grapes or not? Because a lot of people don't eat it, a lot of people do eat it. So that's what the Hasmonic comes to tell us. It comes to reveal to us from which group he belongs. Loy Asmin didn't say, didn't think about it prior to Shabbos. Then Loy Golidaita. He didn't reveal to us. He'll say, no, you're probably from the people who don't eat it. So it was Muktz for you. And it was Muktz in the beginning of Shabbos, definitely Muktz for the rest of Shabbos. So no proof one way or another. Ahmed Abzeda said, Abzeda, let me bring you a very simple proof. Tashma, come in here, I'll bring you a proof. The proof is, from beans and lentils. Let's say beans and lentils that we cook on Yom You can eat them raw, there are people who eat them raw. In the beginning, the onset of Yom let's say, Benash Masha, was a mokse, because there are people who eat it in that state. Locusts, the people who chew it while it's raw. Um, then sometimes during Yom Tov you decide to cook it. As you start cooking it, it's no longer edible. If you want to roll, it's no longer edible. It's not raw anymore. But if you want to cook, it's not cooked either. You need to cook it for a while. So therefore, the, it was it was mut at the beginning of Yom Tov. While the cooking process, it became now muktzah because it's not edible. And yet, when you finish cooking, you're allowed to eat it on Yom Tov. So therefore, what does that prove? Doesn't that prove that there is no muktzah for half a yamtiv, no muktzah for shabbat. This is a proof to rabba. Humbly, Abayi said, wow, what kind of proof is that? If that's your whole proof, what do you have to talk about beans and lentils? Talk about anything. Anything you have that you can eat when it's raw, but um, but um, forget about that. Everything you have, then forget about muktzah shabbat. Let's talk about the beginning of shabbat. If you have something, the din is if you put something raw right before shabbat, you can leave it on the fire. So you put something raw on the fire before shabbat, while it starts cooking, it's not edible at all. So it's muktzah. And then it cooks into the Shabbos. Now it's edible on Shabbos. Everyone eats it. How can you forget about Chatzi Shabbos? This is the beginning of Shabbos, during Benash Moshes. During Benash Moshes, if something is cooking and it's not ready yet, it's not edible. Isn't that muktzah? Why doesn't that bother you? Obviously, it doesn't bother you is because since I'm in control, I'm going to put it up there. That's not what muktzah is. It's not ruled my mind. I'm going to put it there. I made it happen. So therefore, your proof of beans and lentils will prove nothing either, because I'm the one who made it happen, so it's not considered as if it's muktzah. Amalei by the time of following your logic, then Tikshulok asked a better question. Kedayda is the alma, generally, any pot that you're cooking. The stam kedayda is the alma, generally, when you cook a pot, beinash mushes, and normally, twilight, reish chazayda hot, they're not edible. Ulu urte, and at night, achlina menayu, we eat it on Shabbos. No, so how can you eat it? Everyone agrees that if the beginning of you couldn't, it was not edible, it's muktzah. So how can you have it? It's muktzah the rest of Shabbos. How can you eat anything on Shabbos? But the difference is very simple. Since it's totally in my control, I could have prepared it Friday afternoon. I could have done whatever I wanted it. So therefore, I and I put it right before Shabbos. I never removed it from my mind. Therefore, the same thing applies to beans and lentils. Um, it was raw. I decided to cook it. I never removed my mind because I'm in total control. Um, like kabbalah, there's no issue there. That's that called muktzah. Ki kabbalah. Our whole question is gomru b'dei shemayim. 
let's say here in the case of the you put things to dry and then it rained it swelled and that we have no control of that then the sun comes out it, it dried again that's only Abish's hands and the question is do we say it's mukta when it was wet it was mukta from our minds completely at the time because we have no control over it or not that's our question and that's the two versions of the Gemara and the second version is that there is no mukta for half a Shabbos which is the halacha so uh, and we'll continue tomorrow